Amen. I trust you've spent some time in this week praising the Lord for all he's done. Last night, my wife took her cell phone and started in January looking at pictures and going through the year and just uh, talking about the various memories and activities. And uh, we just praise the Lord and rejoice for all he's done. And he's a mighty good God. Well, I'm very excited to take a truth from this Bible and to deliver it under the influence of the Holy Spirit this morning. And I believe that the truth in this book for this morning is going to help us not just today, for, but for the coming days and weeks and the new year. I'm preaching this morning on the subject, the ingredients of life, the ingredients of life. Heavenly Father, there is a great joy in taking a truth from this book and Lord, magnifying that truth, illustrating that truth and helping us, Lord, to know how to apply that truth in our life that first of all brings glory to you and helps us to understand you and help us, helps us to understand life and to enjoy the goodness of being your child. And I pray, Lord, that that will be accomplished as I preach this morning, a hunger, uh, Lord, I thirst for your power, and I pray, Lord, that you would give it for your honor and glory. In Jesus' name I pray, amen. One of the activities of this day and week is to ponder a New Year's resolution or New Year's resolutions as we go into 2023. Now, some may say I'm against making New Year's resolutions because they set you up for failure. Well, there's some truth to that, but they also set you up for victory. And uh, you can't have victory in life unless you plan uh, to have victory. You're not going to have victory by uh, accident. One of the major issues that brings frustration and even discouragement in life is the difference between expectation and reality. One of the things that we've been greatly influenced by in the last decade or the last generation is what I refer to, and as you'll see in bookstores, self-help books. Now, there may be some value in those, but it is not myself that helps myself. It is him who helps me. And I have found that many of those that teach us and have actually led into what is being called the woke generation where there is not only a denial of the past but a denial of reality. Life is not all positive. Every day is not a smile. Every day is not a laugh. And if you go into a day expecting every day to be a happy day, you're going to be discouraged because your expectations will be different than reality. I want you to look again at what Solomon, the wisest man to ever live according to God's own word because God gave him the wisdom. I want you to notice what he says about life and gives to us the ingredients of life. He said there is a time to be born and a time to die a time to plant and a time to pluck up that which is planted, a time to kill and a time to heal, a time to break down and a time to build up, a time to weep 
and a time to laugh, a time to mourn, and a time to dance, a time to cast away stones, and a time to gather stones together, a time to embrace, and a time to refrain from embracing, a time to get, and a time to lose, a time to keep, and a time to cast away, a time to rend, and a time to sow, a time to keep silence, and a time to speak, a time to love, and a time to hate, a time of war, and a time of peace. We cannot set a goal this year to reap all year long. That cannot happen. It is not a realistic goal to reap every day this year. There has to be some time given to planting. We cannot have springtime all the time. There is winter, spring, summer, and fall. We can't set a goal to say, I'm going to laugh and be happy every day in the coming year. That cannot happen. There will be times to weep. There will be times to mourn. There will be times to cry. Now, if you have an expectation that says, I'm going to make this year the happiest year ever. The only thing I'm going to do this week, this year, is to reap and to laugh and have fun and to enjoy life. You most likely will come to a time of discouragement and maybe even depression in this year because that is not a possible reality. And I'm glad this book just tells me the ingredients of life and tells me not only what I can expect, it tells me how to face those times that I may not enjoy, but times that are good for me in life. You see, in the Bible we learn that night brings day. And we understand that from the difficulty or from the work, from the sowing, from the working, comes the blessing of life of which I preached two weeks ago. Verse number 11 gives us two reasons why God has placed these variety of ingredients in our life. First of all, in verse 11, you'll be reminded that God is in control. You and I are not in control. Uh, the president is not in control, thank goodness. And uh, uh, the United Nation is not in control. And uh, there is no agency, there is no authority that is in control. God is in control. All I can do is respond and live in his world. So we are reminded that God is in control. Uh, we have the best doctors. We have the best medicine. We have the best of everything uh, that we've had in our lives. And yet this year there will be times of death. I'm preparing a funeral sermon now that I'll stand here and preach on Wednesday morning at 1030. That will be a part of life. Now hear me well. There may be folks that are well-intended when they write a self-help book that says you're not going to have any problems if you don't want to have problems. You're not going to have difficulty if you don't want to have difficulty. But the God-help book says there are going to be some days of difficulty and I've designed life this way because, first of all, I want you to know I'm in control. 
Second of all, to make things beautiful in their time, God gives to us the opposite of those things. For example, without darkness, you cannot appreciate the light. I remember my dad telling the story. He grew up, as my mom did, in southeast Kentucky, and his brothers and sisters and family, they had gone to the Dayton area for work. This would have been in the early 60s, and they told me that many folks were headed to Detroit, but they ran out of gas in Dayton, and those that did, they got jobs there. And uh, he said, I remember uh, going to Dayton, and he said every night it would get dark, the streetlights would come on. And he said, I thought, when do you folks go to sleep? It's got to get dark sometime. And he said to him, growing up in the mountains where it was, uh, where it was dark at night and uh, light in the day, he said it was uh, uh, different for him because the lights would come on at night. He said that's when, when the lights go out. So uh, we learn without the darkness, we don't enjoy the light. Without weeping, there's no value or no appreciation of our times of rejoicing. Without understanding hatred, we do not know the joys of love. By the way, there are some things you're supposed to hate. That's not the message today. We ought to hate the devil and the sin that destroys lives. You can't make friends with the devil and his minions. You can't do it, and that's a different message. Without losing, we never know the value of winning. And so life is not always positive, so you can't plan it that way. If you do, you'll end up discouraged or depressed in life. So we have to look at life at face value. This week alone, I've met with folks, first of all, I met with folks that are dealing with cancer. I have uh, talked to folks this week who the doctors have said that your cancer is incurable. Hopefully the treatment will help you, uh, but we're not sure about the quality of life. I've also met with folks that are getting married in a few weeks. Their life is before them. They're planning their wedding ceremony and the joys and excitement as we began premarital counseling and going through what the Bible says about building a happy marriage on the foundation of the Word of God. I've rejoiced with those this week who've had a new baby come into their lives. I met uh, the Irvins' uh, little baby uh, Wednesday night after the service and, just, and, and held her just that little bitty bundle of happy joy. I've also met uh, with a spouse and a family that is preparing for the funeral of a husband and a father and a brother this week. I've gone from one meeting that was a meeting of, uh, of, of joy and laughter and looking forward to the future to another one that is filled with tears and that statements could not be completed because of the sorrow that comes from realizing a loved one will no longer be with them. I met with students this week that are preparing for a life of ministry. I've spent time in prayer this week, and I mean, I mean a lot of time. I've spent hours in prayer. I've spent hours alone with God this week. I prayed for the finances as I do all the time for the ministries of our church and a ministry and a work of faith and I prayed for the finances for the building and I prayed for the bus ministry and I've, I've, I've gone to the parking lot three times this week and looked at two brand new buses that we have purchased just in the last few days and said praise God and Lord thank you for men and women that have a burden for the bus ministry. I spent a lot of time praying for 
children. My heart's broken for children. I, I, I'm telling you, it's a shame what adults are trying to teach our children today. You know what our children need to learn? They need to learn about the God of Genesis. They need to learn about the love of God that gave his son and that life is worth living when you live it in the will of God. Oh, how we must do everything we can to reach every age, child and, and, and children and teenagers with the truths of the word of God. I spent time praying for our school and praying for our college this week, praying for our church and our Sunday school, praying for our deacons and our staff. I prayed with a family this week where elderly uh, uh, parents are, are very sick and at the point of dying. I met with the pastors this week who are starting a new chapter in their life and going through some difficult changes and how uh, to navigate those changes at a, a new church. I counseled with families this week as a loved one was arrested and taken to jail. I counseled with young people uh, this week that are going to the mission field and I talked to some already on the mission field and they're dealing with the adjustments of life uh, on the mission field. I've counseled with those who are going through uh, the great difficulty of a divorce and, and uh, a, a spouse has left and gone off into sin and left their commitment to, to marriage. I met with those this week that are getting a brand new house and those that are getting a brand new car. I counsel with a family facing financial difficulty and physical difficulties. I've helped to buy groceries this week and to pay electric bills. That's, and I'm talking about this week. All of them are at different times in their lives. Some are happy today and some are carrying sorrow. Uh, some are rejoicing and some are weeping. Uh, some are looking forward and some are looking back. Some are praying prayers and others are rejoicing in the prayers or, or the answers that have come to their prayers. And we have to understand in life uh, there are many things that make up our life and we have to accept all of those ingredients if we're going to enjoy the year of 2023. Now there are two things I want to give you. I want you to, I want you to hold these together. Now keep your Bibles marked in Ecclesiastes. Take your Bibles and go to Colossians chapter 1. I love all of Colossians chapter 1. In fact, the book of Colossians is a, 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 a beautiful book. But I want us to look at verse number 14 to begin with. And 17 is a statement in the place where we're going. But I want us to understand that, that, that there are things that come in life that we may not like, we may not enjoy. And they are not good as far as enjoyable, but they are good for us. Are you with me this morning? All right. Now, we have to understand that we have to face life as a reality. Don't tell a child they can go through life without tears. Don't tell a child they can go through life without hurt. Uh, don't tell a child, look, life is difficult. We live in a sin-cursed world. And by the way, don't blame God for it. Blame the devil for it. He's the one that brought sin into this world. And he's the one that brought heartache and hurt and sorrow. It is God that gives joy and healing and comfort. But we must face life as a reality. We can't make up life and live. Oh, we have so many. They're living in a world that they make up. 
and suicide continues to rise. You know why? We don't look at the Bible as God tells us uh, that life is. Notice, if you will, in Colossians chapter 1, verse number 14, in whom, talking about Christ, we have redemption through his, talking about Christ's blood, even the forgiveness of sins, who, talking about Christ, is the uh, image of the invisible God, the firstborn of every creature. Now look at verse 16. For by him were all things created that are in heaven, that are in earth, visible and invisible, whether they be thrones or dominions or principalities or powers. All things were created by him and for him. Notice this now. And he is before all things, and by him I have this underlined, and then I have it circled. All things consist. Now, the word consist, it doesn't mean just exist. Consist includes exist, but consist means he holds together what exists. Uh, you, may, uh, you may have made a cake, or perhaps you mix mortar, and sometimes they taste the same. Uh, sometimes, uh, but, but, but you mix the sand and the mortar and the gravel, or you mix the flour and the sugar and all of that, and, and you mix it until you say it has a right consistency. Now, now that, that's, that it, it's held together. You put the eggs in there to hold it together. Uh, you put eggs in cornbread, not sugar. And uh, you, you put eggs in there, and that's what, boy, I love cornbread, don't you? Anyway, I've got to get back to the preaching. And, uh, uh, but, but, but it's consistent. It's held together. I want to tell you something. God holds life together, and our faith must be in Christ. This year you'll laugh, but this year you'll cry. This year you'll rejoice, but this year you'll have sorrow. This year, you'll go to a cemetery, and this year, perhaps, you'll visit either uh, your uh, wife or, or grandchild born uh, that gives birth in the hospital, and there'll be times of rejoicing. There'll be times of sorrow. You say, how do we keep it all together? I don't. I trust in the one who holds it all together. I plan to enjoy the year, not because of all that will happen, but because my faith and my trust is in the one who holds it all together. Now take your Bibles and go back to Ecclesiastes and go to the final chapter. Go to the final chapter. God is the one that holds it all together. Go to chapter 12. I, I, I'm reminded, a personal preacher friend of mine, he told me many years ago, and this story would have happened probably in the 1940s. And my preacher friend's been in heaven 25 years, and he told me this, of course, some years ago. He said, I was preaching in a country church many years ago. He said, when I got to the church, I was looking for the pastor, and uh, I was there for a special meeting. He said, I found the pastor by hearing him. He was at the altar praying. And he said he was praying a prayer like I never heard in my life. He said, I listened. He was praying with emotion. And he said this in his prayer. Oh, Lord, you know I don't like to eat flour out of the sack. He thought, well, that's a Strange prayer to pray. He stood there and he listened. He said, no, Lord, he said, I don't like the taste of lard. He thought, wow, what in the world is this guy losing his mind? He don't like to eat flour. Who likes to eat flour out of a sack? Who does like to eat lard? And he said with emotion, he said, and Lord, he said, I don't like the taste of baking powder. He said, Lord, I don't even like to drink buttermilk plain as it is. 
He said, I stood there and I listened. And then the old man said, Oh, but Lord, I like it when all of that is mixed together and put in the oven because I love them hot, warm, brown biscuits when they come out of the oven. He said, I got the prayer at the end. And I want to tell you something. There's a lot of things we won't enjoy as we go through it in life. We won't enjoy the flower and we won't enjoy the lard and we won't enjoy those things. Ah, but all things work together for good to them that love God and to those that are called according to his purpose. We look back over last year. There are times that we've stood here and sat here. I've seen pictures this week of folks that are remembering a father, remembering a husband or a mother or a wife, remembering a child or parents that this year they've said goodbye to. Oh, but through it all, God's been good. And I want to say to you today, if there's a New Year's resolution for you to set above all, you decide today, I'm going to have a faith in God who holds all things together and by Him all things consist. Go to Ecclesiastes chapter 12. You thought I I forgot, but I didn't forget. Here it is, Ecclesiastes chapter 12, verse number 13. Now this is the same Solomon that gave us the ingredients of life. And Paul does the same thing as you read his letters to the church at Corinth and, and to Philippi. Here Solomon says in Ecclesiastes chapter 12, verse 13, let us hear the conclusion of the whole matter. Fear God. Fear God. And keep his commandments. For this is the whole duty of man. For God shall bring every work into judgment. With every secret thing. Whether it be good or whether it be evil. I have three things written down that I want you to put in your mind. And if you don't make note of them. I pray they'll be in your thinking and in your mind. As we begin this new year. Let's do these three things. First of all let's fear God. I'm not talking about fearing someone that's abusive. I'm talking about fearing one that's in control. I'm talking about a fearful respect. I'm talking about I fear stepping out of line because I don't want to lose the blessings of God and I don't want to be punished. I don't want to face the chastisement of God. I believe God's in control and I want to walk in fear. Second of all, I want to walk in faith. Faith says I can't see it, but I believe it. If you haven't done so already, you'll do so in the next few weeks. You'll get in your car on an early morning and there'll be frost or snow on the windshield. And you'll clear off a spot that you can see out. Men can usually see out of a spot about two inches square. That's all we need. (laughs) And faith is... (laughs) Some of you, boy, you just got under conviction so bad. And, and, And faith, and faith is your wife riding with you Asking you, are you sure you can? Sure, I can, sure I can see how that. I know where the road is anyway. Well, you just went through the ditch, but anyway. <laughs> Faith is believing, not seeing. Can I tell you something? I cannot see him. I cannot see everything in life. Oh, but friend, faith is the substance of things hoped for. It is the evidence of things not seen. I've never seen the wind, but I've seen the effect of the wind blowing. I've never seen him. Ah, but dear friend, he did die on the cross of Calvary. He did raise from the grave. He did speak the world into existence. He did make the promises of this old book. And I'm going to have faith in God in this year. I can't control the year, but I can have faith in one who's in control of the year. 
And then third of all, I give you this from Micah chapter 6 and verse number 8. And if you don't have that good Old Testament uh, verse marked, you ought to mark this verse in your Old Testament uh, Bible. He hath showed the old man what is good and what doth the Lord require of thee but to do justly and to love mercy. And then here it is, and to walk humbly with thy God. When you realize God said I do these things because I want you to know I'm in control. Pride is the most foolish sin in all the world. Pride is thinking I've done anything. I can't do anything but depend on him and trust in him and praise him and be thankful to him. So third of all I say let's walk humbly before God. Now we have a lot of plans for this coming year. While I've been the pastor it'll be 32 years here in May. I'm as excited about the coming year as I have any year. In fact, this coming week, the preliminary work's already started, but this coming week we will begin renovations of the auditorium on Clay's Mill Road. It was built in 1998. I remember every part of the construction. This week they will put in the walls that had we had originally planned to put in because we only planned about a 300-seat auditorium, and then we're going to take the wall out. And then the third phase, we're going to put in the balcony. We never did put the wall in because our church grew from the time we were in the gym until we moved in there. We, we, just, we kept growing. But this week, our Spanish church is moving into there in a few weeks. Brother Romeo, who has been part-time in our Spanish ministry, by faith is going full-time in ministry starting this week. You understand how many Spanish-speaking people that are, and I'm going to tell you, we're at fault for looking at our world politically rather than spiritually. What the world needs is Jesus. We're going to win every person we can to Christ. And this year, in fact, we plan to start two new bus routes just for the Spanish church this year. But the excitement of building that. Uh, there are several nationalities in our city that we must have a burden to reach with the gospel. We plan in the fall to open a daycare at the other property to provide child care. And I'm not talking about faith-based. I'm talking about Bible-based. You can have faith in anything. I'm talking about Bible-based. Teaching children this book. Children have to learn. They've been fearfully and wonderfully made. And life is a gift from God. And God is the giver of life. And God is the one that we must have faith in. It needs to be taught to our children from the time they're born. In fact, I tell fellas, when your wife is expecting, read the Bible to the baby. I don't know if they can hear it or not, but it'll help their mother. We have to reach children with this book right here. It's amazing what a child can learn. Have you ever tried to unlearn things you learned as a child? You can't unlearn what you learn as a child. What this world needs is Jesus. You say, but, but preacher, the Lord's coming soon. If I knew he was coming next Friday, I wouldn't change a thing for this week. I want him to come when we're running full steam ahead for the work of God. I look forward to hearing just a few weeks. I'll miss this place. I'll miss it. We'll still have a smaller auditorium here. But I look forward to moving into the new building. I look forward to that. We're, we're going to finish the preaching tabernacle at the camp this summer. And again, working to reach more young people and teenagers at camp this summer. I look forward to the work of camp this summer. 
I look forward to the organizing and growing of our Sunday school and Sunday school departments. In fact, this building right here, uh, there will be an auditorium here in this middle section, and then there'll be classrooms along the wall. And so uh, we have, I believe, how many new classrooms do we have in that building? Nine? Eight? Eight new classrooms over in that building. This will become classrooms. Excuse me while I get excited. I love to talk about the things of God. You say, preacher, this is a recession. Have you heard? God didn't have recessions. Famines weren't time for people to fear. Famines were time for people to trust in God. I look forward to the blessings of the new year. I'm going to show you this and I'm finished. Acts 16. Take your Bibles and go to Acts chapter 16. Acts chapter 16. I look forward to meeting with staff this week and going through the organization and structure, the planting, the sowing, so we can have the great times of reaping. Acts chapter 16, notice what the Bible says in verse number 5. And so were the churches established in the faith and increased in number daily. Now when they had gone throughout Pergia and the region of Galatia and were forbidden of the Holy Ghost to preach the word in Asia, after they were come to Mysia, and I can see this geography in my mind as you look at Asia Minor, uh, and Asia Minor, there had been seven wonderful churches that had been planted. All of them are named in Revelation 2 and 3. And God was blessing those churches, and it was an amazing thing. And Paul is saying here, we had planned to go up back in and through Asia and do more work for God. But the Holy Ghost said, no, I don't want you to go there. After they were come to Mysia, they essayed to go into Bithynia, but the Spirit suffered them not. And they passing by Mysia came down to Troas. And a vision appeared to Paul in the night. There stood a man of Macedonia and prayed him saying, Come over into Macedonia and help us. And after he had seen the vision, immediately we endeavored to go into Macedonia, assuredly gathering that the Lord had called us for to preach the gospel unto them. That is where the gospel came west. That wasn't Paul's plan. So you know what we're going to do this year? We're going to make plans. And when God changes them, we're just going to keep moving forward in God's plan. Again this week, somebody asked me, when do you plan to have this building finished over here? I said, October 2019. Because my plan didn't work, didn't mean God's not in control. So what are we going to do this year? We're going to fear God. We're going to have faith in God. And we're going to walk humbly before Him. Stand with me if you will. The ingredients of life. We're going to cry together. We're going to laugh together. We're going to rejoice together. And we're going to mourn together. But I thank God, though I'm not in control of life, I trust the one who is in control of life. Our heads are bowed, our eyes are closed. There are folks this morning that are getting baptized and joining the church. You can come forward right now if you're here this morning. You haven't trusted Christ as Savior and you want to trust Him, you can come now. You can trust Him as your Savior. If you're ready to follow the Lord in believer's baptism or become a part of our church, I invite you to come. God's been mighty good to us in this year. The coming year, we must do all we can to reach as many people as we can for the cause of Christ. Doubt, unbelieving, brings nothing but discouragement and failure. We must press forward in the will of God. Heavenly Father, 
being the pastor of many of these folks for many years, I know the burdens and the heartaches and the tears and the reasons they've shed those tears in recent days and weeks and months. Lord, it is only by your strength and by your grace they keep pressing on. And I thank you for them. Some have walked away from a lonely cemetery this year. Some have said goodbye to the dearest loved one they've ever known. But yet, Lord, they're still in their place because they have faith in one that holds life together. Help us as we face this new year to do it in fear and faith, walking humbly before you. Bless your invitation in Jesus' name. Amen. As he sings